Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. The Beloved Community When I was 16, while some of my friends experimented with drugs and girls, I got sucked into a religious revival among young people, and before I knew it, I was part of a small, radical Christian community. For the following eight years, we tried to imitate what we understood the early Christians in the Book of Acts to have done. Being committed to one another, sharing all our goods, helping each other, and reaching out to our friends. Since then, I've been part of a movement of around 90 so-called intentional communities and have helped start communities in places like Africa, Europe, and the Middle East. In that sense, I would not object if you called me an expert in community. But there is a related but still different sense of community that we want to focus on today. While some communities are intentional, traditionally your community was the social network you were born into. All traditional societies have been deeply communal for the simple reason that this was the only way to survive. You need others to plow your fields, dig wells, catch a mammoth, and put out a fire. In that sense, for hundreds of years, humans were born into communities and figured out their place within them. In the year 2000, the American sociologist Robert Putnam published a study which made waves both in the academic community and beyond. In Bowling Alone, as the book is called, he showed through a careful study of nearly 500,000 interviews that American society was losing its so-called social capital. People signed fewer petitions, belong to fewer organizations that meet, know their neighbors less, meet with friends less frequently, and even socialize with their families less often. Americans are even bowling alone. More Americans are bowling than ever before, but they're not bowling in leagues. Putnam shows how changes in work, family structure, age, suburban life, television, computers, women's roles, and other factors have contributed to this decline. In other words, community in the broader sense of the word is in decline. And we would venture to say that what he observes about American society is true to a greater or lesser extent for most Western countries. Some of our listeners might say that social change is inevitable, and if that means a decline in community, so be it. But other indicators, such as connection, support, and life satisfaction, tell a different story. The former U.S. Surgeon General speaks of a loneliness epidemic, 
and a third of US citizens are dissatisfied with their support network. And that was before COVID struck. This begs the question whether community is simply an optional extra that some people choose for, or whether it is essential for human flourishing. Aristotle said, man is by nature a social animal. But what did the Greeks know, right? Since then, neuroscientists have shown that human beings are hardwired for connection, empathy, and yes, community. They flourish in relationships and languish without them. This does not deny the differences between introverts and extroverts, nor cultural variants, say, between Italians and Norwegians. Community in Oslo looks different than in rural parts of Uganda, but it is necessary in both places. And it does not spring up spontaneously. It requires efforts and investments by people who understand its importance. Martin Luther King was one thinker and activist who put the notion of community at the center of his vision. The goal of his movement was not simply the uprooting of racism and other injustices, but the creation of what he called the beloved community, a place where justice and equality reigned. While some might consider such a vision utopian, it fueled efforts by thousands of so-called community activists in many American inner cities and beyond. Men and women set about resisting the urge to bowl alone by weaving relationships of trust, help and friendship out of which could grow cooperation, economic solidarity and a deep sense of belonging. The goal of this episode is not to make of our listeners social activists, at least not primarily. First and foremost, we want to raise awareness of the need for community in our lives and to make us grateful for all those who foster such natural community all around us. I recently wrote a letter to the head of my town's public library because of the enormous fruit this institution is bearing in bringing people together and educating them. Something similar could be said for my church pastor, for the lady who runs Zuzu, the local coffee shop, and my yoga teacher. All these people invest of their time and gifts to create community all around us, and we often take them for granted. Secondly, it is easy to just make use of other people's efforts to foster relationships and community around us without, so to speak, paying our dues. We appreciate the self-help group for parents of children with ADHD, but it might have never crossed our minds to volunteer as well. We like the newly planted trees in our town square, but we might never have written one of those petitions which helped to improve our town. And we are proud if the homeless are taken care in our town, but can get ourselves to help out a couple nights a month. Some of those efforts could even be done digitally. The pandemic has certainly accelerated the creation of virtual communities. They are maybe not the perfect substitute for face-to-face -face relationships, but they still provide support and encouragement. We would like to encourage each of us to express gratitude to those heroes in our community who make it happen. Let's thank them, buy them coffee, bring them flowers, whatever. And let us consider one place where we might be able to make a contribution to help create the beloved community and we might be surprised 
how life-giving we will find it. This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Piroshka Kacha, Harry Kalef, and Jacob Dubibert. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts. Until next time.